to do me a favor and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. The title of today's sermon is uh, called A Divine Appointment. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. That is our gift to you. Um, you can turn there to page 917. We, we study God's word. We believe in the power of God's word. And, and if you don't have the written scriptures on your phone or you, you'd rather read it in, in, in a book form, take that Bible. You can keep it. We will replenish it again. And, and now we're in this series, Acts, and we're, we're really studying the work of the Holy Spirit. From the beginning of Acts, the Spirit of God is moving and doing things um, that, that he promised to do in Acts 1.8. And we get to this passage here, um, and, and we see a, something significant, something extraordinary happen between two individuals. And, and I want to call it a divine appointment. Other people have called it a divine appointment. I'm actually stealing someone's title in a book for it, so um, I thought, hey, why not? and just give them credit. I don't know who the person is, I forgot the name. But um, this is a divine appointment. And so often, when we talk about evangelism, like we talk about like preaching the gospel to our neighbors and, and telling people um, at our school or in our classes about the gospel and sharing the gospel. And so often, like we talk about it in our everyday life, which we ought to do, we should do, right? We, we should share the gospel. We should um, testify of God's power and might in scripture to all those who don't believe, to the wayward child, to the, to the unbelieving spouse, to the grandma who's not following Jesus anymore, right? Like we encourage sharing the gospel, but, but there are times, there are unique times that I believe, and I think scripture shows us that God puts an impression, um, an image, a visual, an idea, a feeling, whatever mechanism God uses, he puts it in our hearts and our minds to go do something, right? To, to call somebody on the phone and encourage them. To get in the car and go visit somebody. You don't know why you have to visit them. You just got to go. And those times are not every day. Those are extraordinary times, right? That like you feel God is calling you to do something. You don't know exactly what. You don't have a full picture of what it is. You just know that you just got to do it. And I'll give you an example. Um, I've mentioned this story, maybe not this part. Um, some time ago, 2016 was a really bad year for me mentally, spiritually, emotionally, everything. My life was jacked up. Um, and I had to make a decision. I was in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, I lived there for a while. I was teaching there. And through circumstances like I didn't have a place to stay and I wasn't going to have a job. So I'm praying to the Lord, what do you want me to do? Friend tells me, hey, why don't you move to Texas? There's a position there. You can take it. It's only one year. Um, figure out if you want to do ministry. Because at the time, I didn't want to do ministry. I didn't want to work in a church. I just, I was like, I was, I'm, I'm not working in a church. It's too messy. It's too much. It's overwhelming. You don't get what you want. Like, they don't pay you well. Like, 
just stay teaching academically. You'll be fine. You'll make money. You can tell people how to do ministry without actually having to do it. I mean, who doesn't want to do that, right? So I had to decide if I was going to go to Texas. And if you know me, I'm just like all over the place. I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Do I go? Do I stay? I wanted to stay. And I told the Lord, Lord, give me a sign that I should stay. <laughs> Tell me if you want me to stay. Show me you want me to stay. So I was working for um, a boss and um, a wise man who, who knew the Lord in ways that I still do not. In tune with the Spirit and if, if you knew him, you would be impressed. And, and God gave me a gift of just him being my boss. And I wanted to talk to him. I, I texted him. I said, I need to talk to you. I need to meet with you. Come to the office. I go to his office. His administ administrative assistant is there. I'm sitting with her, talking to her. She knows what's going on. She knows my whole business. And I'm waiting to talk to him. He's on the phone. And she says, Tim, like... I feel like you, you should just go. Like, have faith, believe God, and trust him. It's like Peter, right? Like, maybe you just got to get out of the boat and trust him. You have to have the faith to get out the boat. Maybe, maybe the peace doesn't come until you get out of the boat. And I said, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm not, that's, you're not telling me what, the, what I want the Lord to tell me. I'm staying. He has to provide the apartment and the job and the thing, and he has to do it. I walk into the office, and I tell my boss, hey, I, I want to stay. This is my boss. Now, he can make it happen. Like, the, my boss could have make a phone call and say, Tim needs to stay, and I would have been fine. It would have been okay. And he tells me, I think you should go. <laughs> what do you mean I think I should, you should, I should go? Like, I'm trying to tell you, make the phone call. I want to stay. He said, I think you should go. Like, he said, I wouldn't. He said, there's so many times in my life where I've lacked faith, but there were many times that I had faith and I trusted God in ways that I, that I can't explain. And I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be able to be doing this if, if it wasn't by the grace of God and me stepping out in faith. I think you need to step out in faith. No, I'm not going. You're not telling me what I wanted. A couple of weeks passed. Maybe it was a week or two. I don't remember the exact time. But it was in a couple of weeks at least. Two, maybe three weeks. I think it's the same week. I get a phone call. I get a phone call. And a friend calls me up. And now my friend is a true Baptist. Meaning he reads God's word and declares it. And the spirit only moves through the written word. And I mean, like, he's a Baptist through and through. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, if you know me, I came from the opposite. I came from a Pentecostal Assemblies of God church where it's like you're looking for the yellow fellow to come down. And that's how you know you're going to go, right? And then you do seven laps so the walls can come down for some reason. <laughs> but that's what I was, I was waiting for. I was waiting for the word of the Lord. 
So he calls me, he says, I was thinking about you this week. I was listening to the sermon. He was preaching about Peter getting out of the boat and having faith. And I feel impressed by the Lord to call you and tell you, because he knew what was going on. It wasn't like he didn't know. He knew what was going on. But in that moment, he didn't know what, like the internal struggle that I was having. And he says, I think you should step out of the boat like Peter and go to Texas. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm holding the phone and I'm doing one of those things because like, I'm crying and I'm angry because I'm like, God, I don't want to go. I want to stay. I didn't think about it then, but I think about it now as I look back. What a sweet gift it was that the Lord would see me in that moment, in that circumstance, and that he would move pieces move people who were in tune with his spirit to speak a word in my life so that I would make a decision knowing that I was confused and overwhelmed and God graciously used people, used a passage of scripture that, would, that they don't know each other and that he would use that to tell me that it was okay for me to step out in faith to trust him. In the moment, I was angry because it meant that I had to give up my agenda. I had to give up my plans. Like, like and if you know anything about me, I want to be in control of myself and everything and everyone. But in the moment, God's sweet gift, he said, go. And I went. Begrudgingly, I went. I didn't want to go. When I went to Texas, side note, it was the best decision I made because um, I needed some healing to be done. And I went to Texas, took the job, and in that year, God did things that if I told you, we would have to change and become a different denomination. Um, because there were things, and what I mean by that, it was like, and I went to a Baptist church too. Um, so, but God, like, God is gracious in ways that I can't explain and I don't deserve. Like, have you ever experienced that in your life where you, like, looked at divine appointments, right? Those two instances for me were divine appointments in which God was communicating to me a message. And the message wasn't, like, crazy. The message was simple. Trust me. Believe me. Follow me. I'll take care of you. Leave the results to me. That was the message. And it's so hard because so many of us want to be in control. So many of us have plans and we got to stick to the plan. But my question is like, like are we in tune with the spirit that way? Like how often in our minds we believe that in some form or fashion that the way we share the gospel looks a certain way. Like, what if we were a church and a people of God that were in tune with the Spirit in such a way that when God says go, we go. When God says call that person, we call them. When God says say that to this person, and I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm talking about things that are intrinsically connected to his word, but that the Spirit that's living in us prompts us with feelings and thoughts that are godly, true, loving, gracious, and kind that are conformed to his word, nothing crazy, right? Like, we're not talking about, like, a cloud moving in and gold dust falling down. We're just simply 
What we're saying, what I'm saying to you is like, are we in tune with the Spirit to, to do what the Spirit could do in the life of other people who are broken and hurting? Because I was broken and hurting and, and I needed help. And God was gracious enough to do that. And, and I feel like, I feel like that's, that's something we should want and long for. I, I, don't, I don't think that's crazy. I, I think that's awesome and true that there are times where God uses us for a specific moment, for a specific assignment, not to glorify us or the experience, but to glorify God, right? Like the, the message that I'm telling you about the story isn't about that, ooh, the Lord spoke to me. It's like, no, God was faithful and God was trustworthy and he communicated to me that led me to go to Texas so that I can... I can experience more grace, more of his faithfulness, more of his love, more of his mercy, more of all the things that he has for us. What if we were in tune with the spirit that way? Man, what type of church we would be. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you by this passage that in this passage, there's a divine appointment. And it concerns two people, Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch. So let's read Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go forward. Excuse me, go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. I mean, side note, if you like to take notes and underline, like I would highlight So Philip ran to him. I mean, think about that. Like God spoke and Philip ran. That's true obedience. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Verse 34. And when they came out out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The divine appointment was between two people. Up until this point, 
we see something different. Where thousands of people have come to faith under a preaching, this is the first time in the book of Acts that someone came to faith through a conversation. Right? Think about when Peter uh, proclaims the gospel about Jesus, right, in Acts chapter 2, right? He proclaims it, and thousands of people are added to the church. Thousands of people are saved. This is very different when we get to Acts chapter 8, because this is now a conversation. I think so often many of us have an unhealthy fear of proclaiming and sharing the gospel because we believe a lie about ourselves, we believe a lie about God. We believe that in some form or fashion, we have to be an eloquent speaker of the gospel. We have to have every right answer and every question someone has, we have to respond apologetically like Sometimes we believe that, that the way people get saved is by coming to church and hearing the pastor alone. I'm not saying people can't get saved by that. I'm saying that in our minds, sometimes we think that we can't communicate, that somehow we only have to invite them and it's the person preaching that day's job to convince them of the gospel. And I think the enemy uses that. I think the enemy uses our fear to keep us silent. You know why he wants to keep us silent? Because there is power in the word. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is healing and restoration in the name of Jesus. There is power to these words. You just got to proclaim it to them. Let the spirit of God do what he needs to do. But the enemy has convinced us that someone's salvation is contingent on our eloquent speech. That we have to say it exactly perfect so that they can be saved. And, and then it places this burden on us that somehow we have to save them. That's not in God's redemptive plan. God uses all people, all types of people in his church to communicate the truth of the gospel. You just need to open up your mouth and declare it. But you see, when we believe the lie, we keep our mouth shut. What does the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The word of God. So how are people supposed to hear the word of God if you and I are silent because we've given over to the fear? The encouragement for us this morning is open up your mouth and declare the gospel God uses your inability. He uses your language. He uses your speech. He uses everything about you to communicate the gospel because it is him who does the saving. It is him who does the redeeming. It is him who paid it for us. All you have to do is open up your mouth and declare the gospel. Do not give in to the fear or the spirit of fear that would tell you you're not qualified. Because when we look at this passage, what we see in this passage is an unlikely messenger. If you read this passage and you've read Acts chapter 6, what do we know about Philip? Philip isn't an apostle. He wasn't a pastor. And he wasn't a Jew. 
and God yet still used him. The unlikely messenger is you and me that you don't need to be a pastor or a theologian or have gone to seminary and got into debt for it. <laughs> like, you, you, can, you can be the messenger of God's word with all your limitations, right? That's the beauty of the gospel, right? The beauty of the gospel is that he uses you and me despite our inabilities, despite our character flaws. The unlikely messenger wasn't the eloquent apologist who eloquently answered every single question. The beauty of this passage is that Philip wasn't a preacher. He wasn't the pastor of the church. He was a servant. And so often in our minds, we think that God can only use the pastors. And let me tell you something, God could use you and you to do what? To proclaim the gospel. The only thing we have to do is believe that he can use us and respond. Respond to him. To who? To who do we share this gospel to? Well, to the unlikely candidate. Like, look at what the passage that Luke tells us, right? Luke, in verse 27, tells us about this person who the gospel is going to be proclaimed to. It's an Ethiopian eunuch. What do we know about the Ethiopian eunuch? We know that, that this eunuch was, was a Gentile and someone who believed and trusted in Yahweh but, but didn't have fellowship with the people. Like he wasn't allowed to be part of the nation of Israel when they went into the temple to worship. The unlikely candidate was a man of high stature, who was the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. What we see in the divine appointment is the unlikely messenger and the unlikely candidate. And, and the moral is that, that God and the gospel is for all people. So often we think that the gospel is only for a certain group of people with a certain social status. And the ones who are believed are these type of people. But when we see in Acts, the gospel is for all people. Rich and poor. And all people. Non-Jewish people. Hello, that's you and me. Right? Like, this is the first time we see that the gospel is advancing and it's going past the Jews and the Samaritans and, and now it's reaching the Gentiles. This is the first Gentile that will be saved by the gospel. And he's an unlikely candidate because for the people of Israel, the, the Jews, I mean, they were called by God since Genesis to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Yahweh. They were supposed to be the salt and light of the earth, and, and they didn't do that. They kept it to themselves. And this passage, what we see, 
is God using not a pastor, not a Jew, to communicate the gospel to someone who we would look at, someone who we would judge to be far off, different, who doesn't look like us, who doesn't seem to be like us, who doesn't talk like us and act like us. This divine appointment, God orchestrated so that the gospel can go forth to Africa. Think about that. Ethiopian eunuch, first Gentile, to hear the gospel and respond to it, and what do you think he's going to do with it? He's going to tell people about it. The gospel goes to Africa before it ever goes to Europe. And, and God orchestrated this for one person. It wasn't thousands of people that he was reaching. He was reaching one person and one person alone. And, and that's the story of our story, right? Like we are like the Ethiopian eunuch who God orchestrated and planned in our lives someone to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, to tell us about the gospel. But it required a certain type of person. It required the faithfulness of Philip. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Philip. When we read in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that this unlikely messenger who was an apostle, a pastor, or a Jew is a man of good reputation, a man full of the spirit and a bold man. This is the kind of person that God wants to use. This is the kind of person that God wants to use to share the gospel. God is looking for men and women who are controlled by the spirit, who, who are led by the spirit, who think and act and feel conformed to God's word and the spirit. He's looking for men and women who are bold to proclaim the gospel to all people all the time. And he's looking for people of good reputation. People who not only confess with their mouth the gospel, but who live it. Now, this is not about perfection. Look at me. God is not looking for perfect people to execute his redemptive plan. God is looking for faithful people. God is looking for fearless people. Are you that person? Are you the person that God is calling to be bold with their faith? Is God calling you to, to be the person that is filled with his spirit? That means control, that means you think, feel, and act according to the spirit. You may not do it perfectly, but when you don't do it right, it leads you back to the Spirit, leads you back to Christ, right? Like that's the whole truth of the gospel, right? That not that we're perfect, but that when we get it wrong, that our hearts and minds would be realigned back to Jesus. Like, are you this person? Are you the unlikely messenger who's going to proclaim the good news? Are, are you in tune with the Spirit? I love verse 30 because verse 30 says that Philip, right? Like, if you look at verse 29, it says, the Spirit tells Philip, go over and join this chariot. And what is Philip's response? In verse 30, he said, he ran to him. 
I want to be a runner. I'm not a runner, but I want to be a runner. Like, I want to be a runner. I want to be the God that when the Spirit puts in my heart and in my mind to call somebody, I'm going to call them. When the Spirit of God tells me, speak, open up your mouth, I'll give you the words. I want to be that guy. Are you that person? Can I share a story with you on how I got it wrong? As much as I desire to be a man led by the Spirit, I'm also a man of the flesh. Recently was having a conversation with a person. And this person was telling me how um, they've been far away from the church. They're looking for a church um, to connect with. And they've been shopping around. COVID messed them up. So they're not really into attending church. And as he's talking to me, He's holding on to his neck and his shoulder. Something happened. There was an injury. And he just, you could see he was uncomfortable. He couldn't stay still. And, and he was trying to explain to me these, these things. But he's like, I got this pain. I don't do. And his wife was saying, well, we've been to this doctor, that doctor. This, we tried this. And we're hoping for something. And you, you know what happens, right? Like, I'm talking to him. And what do you think is going inside of my heart? This passage. And what am I feeling in my heart? Pray for him. Pray for healing. I've been put to the test. Am I going to believe God's word? And I'm wrestling. Because I don't want to be weird. You know we're weird, right? <laughs> we're weird. I'm okay with it. I think I've settled with that. Because, because the truth is, like, I believe in healing. I... I believe in, I, I think I'm allowed to say that. I believe in healing. I believe that God can divinely heal you. I also believe that God can heal you through modern medicine. That is a gift from the Lord. And that where we, where sometimes some people just look for the divine healing, we also should be looking for the, for the, for the healing that already God has given us through modern medicine. But in the moment, I was like, something was telling me, just pray for him. Pray for healing. Just pray. Pray that God would help him find a church. Pray that God would heal him. Or pray that God would lead him to the right doctor that would prescribe him the right medicine or the right procedure, whatever he needs to do. I mean, I don't know about you, but like you ever feel when you're in like deep pain, like it messes up your, your mental health. It messes up your body. Like you don't want to be around people. You're a little squirmy. Like you're more irritated or irritable. Maybe that's just me because you guys are not affirming that. Um, <laughs> Right, like when you're, when you're not feeling well, you just, like something happens to you. And it's uncomfortable. And in that moment, I saw, I knew it was the Lord. And the Lord was like, just pray for him. Believe me, have faith. I mean, what was the, what, what's the worst that could happen? What's the best scenario that God does heal him? Either through modern medicine or through a divine healing. And what would he say? The Lord healed me. But in the moment, I didn't pray for him because I was afraid. I was afraid of what he would think of me. And I was afraid that if he wasn't healed, that somehow it was my fault. I didn't pray. I left. And it broke my heart because like, I knew I was preaching about this passage. And then it reminded me of this. 
that there's gonna be times where we often get it wrong. There are gonna be times where God puts in our heart and our mind to do something, to go somewhere, to say something, and we're gonna get it wrong. And that's okay. Because we serve a God who's gracious and loving and kind. Remember, like, that person's salvation or that person's healing is not contingent on my faithfulness. It's contingent on the one who has always been faithful. So when we relieve ourselves of the burden of having to, to save someone or heal someone or to encourage someone, right? So often, too, when people, mental health is a big deal now. Like mental illness is an issue that is, that is affecting the church, anxiety and fear. And sometimes we think that somehow if we speak a word of encouragement, that person is going to feel better. And sometimes that doesn't happen. But we just have to trust that God is faithful to do it. Our responsibility is to obey him. So what do we do? How, how do we keep our eyes open to these divine appointments? Even when we're unfaithful, like how do we keep our eyes open to God's leading and prompting to go, to speak? Sometimes the prompting too is not to speak. I'm learning that lesson too. Shut up. It's very hard. Trust me. Ask Jeff. I just blah, 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 right? Like, but what are those divine appointments? How do, how do we keep our eyes open to divine appointments? There's three things. Three things of being of, of being open to these divine appointments. And it's, it's the first and foremost is being open and available to God's divine assignments, right? Like you have to be willing to say, God, I am willing to be weird to an unbelieving world so that you can use me and you can get the credit. You have to be open to it. If you're not open to it, then you're not gonna have divine appointments. You should also pray, right? Like ask the Lord, give me divine appointments. Let me tell you something, he'll do it. I asked, he did it, and I cowered. <laughs> but, but here are some lessons that we learn in this, right? Like when we're open to divine assignments, meaning like appointments that God has given us, whether it's to share the gospel or encourage someone, um, we have to hear God's voice. Verse 26 encourages us that, that Philip heard his voice through an angel and through the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that this is um, prescriptive. This is very descriptive. But there is something to the fact that we do hear God's voice. Not audibly, but impressions and feelings and thoughts and pictures. Like, God, God moves that way too. And he does it that it's conformed to his word. Like, anything that we do, feel, say, and want to do for God should always be conformed to his word. He would never do or make us say or do anything that's outside of his word. But we have to hear his word. Those impressions. But also to be faithful to his word, scripture. Are we in tune? Are we listening to what God has already said? Are we obeying God's voice? Meaning two things. One, are we obeying his voice in his word? Verse 27, or are we obeying his voice when we hear it? And, and sometimes, often, we question, like, I don't know if this is God's voice. The way you can tell if it's God's voice is, one, is it conformed to his word? Two, are there godly people 
in your life who can affirm those leadings and impressions and guidance, like, and those decisions, right? Like, are there people who you trust, who are godly, who can speak into your life and say, yes, we affirm or deny that that's the leading of the Spirit? And two, what God is calling us to do in this passage is to explain God's word. All we have to do is open up our mouth and believe God to do it. Despite the times that we failed, despite the times that we were inadequate, right? Like if, if, if you're in this room and saying, God can't use me because I'm not perfect. Well, just read the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation is the march of the unqualified. And I've said this before, right? Like Paul would never be able to work at the chapel. He wouldn't. What is he going to put on his resume? I killed a couple of people, but now I'm saved? I want to work in connections? Uh, no. Right? What is Peter going to say, right? I cut a guy's ear off. I'm high-headed. Can I help with hospitality in the kitchen? No. We're not giving you a sword, right? Like, think about it. None of the men and women in the Bible would ever work here. And we're in line with them. We're just like them. It's the march of the unqualified. And the person who's leading it, who is qualified, is Jesus, who redeems it all. And we're in good company. So it's okay that if we want to be led by the Spirit to have divine assignments, we got to hear His voice, obey His voice, and have the faith to believe that we can speak His word, to speak the truth of His word, even when we feel we're not qualified. And what's the result? What the Bible says, the result is the Ethiopian eunuch went leaving with joy. Now, I'm not going to talk to you about how Philip teleported out of that location. That's a different topic. We might have to take a trip to the ark, you know, do one of those scientific things. I don't know. But like, just know he teleported. I don't know how, but he did. My encouragement for you this morning is, are you in tune with the Spirit that you're willing to do weird things for God? Despite what the world says, despite what you feel, to see people come to know Jesus. Like, think about that. Think about the church we would be. Right? Think, think about the Easter season coming up. Like, who needs to hear the gospel? Look at what's going on in our world. And you're telling me there aren't people that God can put in our place to speak words of encouragement, to speak words of life, to speak words of truth from his word? Are you ready for those assignments? Do you want to see God move? Like, what do you want on your tombstone to be? Just your name? I want my tombstone to say that I did whatever it took to see the gospel move forward. Not for my glory, but his and his alone. We have one life to live here on earth. We ought to live it. We ought to go out with a bang. The way we do that is by asking God, give us assignments, because he'll do it. Lead us by your spirit and conform us to your word. Why don't we take a minute and pray? Why don't you truly ask God, God, what assignment and appointment you have for me this week?
this season, this year, and ask him to help you to see it, to have faith, to believe it, to trust him that he'll do it. And before I pray, you can keep your eyes closed, but hear this. Maybe you're the eunuch in this room, the Ethiopian eunuch, in which you have questions and doubts about Christianity. And maybe you're in this room or watching online and, and you're not a believer. And somehow, some way, you find yourself in the midst of all these Christians. You need to hear this from me. This is your divine appointment. God has met you here now. And what he has to say to you is that God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and your wickedness so that you can have life. And the fear and the anxiety and the troubles that you face, you don't have to face them alone. You can face it with a faithful and gentle, merciful God who cares for you and the only thing you have to do is respond in faith believe and put your trust in him and follow him wherever you go this is your divine appointment in which God says to you there is grace and mercy there is love there's joy and there's peace and if you find yourself to be Philip then ask the Lord to give you divine appointments. Father God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the proclamation of the gospel. And we ask you, O oh Lord, that we would be like Philip, to be used by you in ways that we cannot explain other than your word has encouraged us, your spirit has led us, and the message is your son Jesus. And for those of us in this room who are doubting in our faith, who are not um, really convinced of this faith, God, we ask you, O oh Lord, that you would turn their hearts into flesh, that the questions that they have would be answered in your word and that they would find joy, peace in the name of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, God. We ask you, O oh Lord, that we would be a church full of Phillips, runners after the gospel, runners to proclaim the gospel, runners to go to the ends of the earth, no matter what it costs us, to see people know you and love you. Because Jesus, you are for us. You are the gift and the gift giver. Lord, help us this morning. Help us this week, Lord. We pray this in the wonderful and matchless name of your son, Jesus. And the people of God say, This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.